चिल्ला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जाए श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जाए घोर भक्त वृंद की जाए घोर प्रमाण हरि हरि वो सो प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू here we are on the other side of west of north carolina now as you can see before because of the background so my pleasure to greet you all and we are continuing with our series of lectures on vaishnava etiquette rules and love in the life of a sadaka so we are entering into the last series of lectures on this topic i think we will have like four more lectures before concluding with this series so today is meeting number 16 and we will be starting with a new chapter of this series with a new topic in connection to of course all that we have been explaining thus so far so today we'll always be speaking about prachar prachar sometimes translated as preaching but actually implying many more things that what we can translate into any other language but as usual before going to the topic of today we will share some uh brief recap brief summary of what we were studying in our previous lecture last uh monday so we were speaking about archana we we spent two lectures for speaking about archana in the context of augodia sampradaya and after sharing some some banda if you will some conceptual orientation about what's it, what's the altar in itself and who is remurti how we are to properly address and conceive all these tattvas realities then we shared some more practical advice in that connection in our last meeting we began mostly with the list presented in different puranas varaha puran and others connected to seva aparad which has to do with things to avoid if you will in the context of our serving srimurti the artabigraha so many of these things were presented in a negative connotation what not to do the don'ts but also implying the do's for sure what to do <coughs> and there it was recommended for example to uh honor different celebrate different vaishnava festivals in honor of the deity and of course to behave in a certain way in front of the deity not to lie in front of the deity not to shout don't be violent in front of srimurti and of course hopefully also everywhere else whenever anywhere anywhere else that you may be hopefully you extend that idea but we have to begin somewhere you have to get the gist of these recommendations it's not that there we are allowed to lie outside of the of the temple room that's not the idea the idea is if it's too difficult for you to do that at least not do that in the presence of bhagavan and that will create certain samskara impressions for you to experience if you will higher taste in that sense and be able to gradually extend that experience in in other in other places because you will be able to gradually universalize your deity and see the presence of bhagavan not only in the temple not only in the altar and therefore your 
proper behavior will follow as well. So in this connection, many of these rules have been shared. Having your shoes off before entering the altar, representing the shoes or walking in the world, if you will. Avoiding certain colors, ideally in front of the deity. Sakurati shared the interesting idea that these colors, like red and blue, belonged to royalty in the past. So again, this, there is some relativity to this. Some of these points regarding what's royalty, which are the colors of royalty in one time or another, and so on. Uh, to use one, your whatever means you have assets for in the, for the service of Bhagavan. It's not that you you have to offer just the, as least as possible, but as much as possible. And of course, the ultimate offering is ourselves. Not the ultimate, hopefully the very first one, at least in theory, you understand that bhakti has to do not so much with offering something to Bhagavan, doing something and then offering it to Bhagavan, but ideally offering yourself from day one. And whatever you do will be hmm, prasad, if you will, will be part of the offering. Hmm. Of course, not to see the deity with material conception, hmm, and in, in that context certain recommendations were there in order to avoid certain activities that may increase our material absorption, if you will, our identity. In other words, act as if Krishna is there, because he is. That's the whole idea. Try to behave, at least conceptually, as if Trimurti is non-different from Bhagavan, because he is not, she is not. As Bhagavan is non-different from his name, as we mentioned from the Bhagavad, in the same way, Archabigraha, Archabatar. It's a particular extension of Bhagavan's grace. We also spoke about the Prema Dwani, some of the glorification, that praise that sometimes is invoked at the end of the Arctic, at the end of the Kirtan. Also, we spoke about Arctic, the meaning of Arctic, the meaning of the Upachars, the items that are offered in connection to ingredients that made up this world earth, water, fire, and so on different levels of purity according to purity in, in the items being offered in Arti, purity according to following the proper procedure as revealed by Guru Shastra, and purity now in one's own consciousness when conducting hmm, those uh, endeavors, engagements. Also we spoke regarding Arti, there is Arti for us as Sadakas, but also there is Arti for the Siddha, but there is a particular way how in the Siddha Lok, if you will, although there's some other place called Siddha Lok. For us, Siddha Lok will be Golok. Um, Artists offer immediately with one's own, own in, 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 intrinsic, if you will, ingredients. No? Water will be offered in the form of tears, fire in the form of heart burning, mm, of longing, and so on. Mm. So this is the Ragamark. The goal of Ragamark shows a particular form of arti, and we as Sadakas are to conduct ourselves in the context of Archana, in a certain way that it may take us to Archana city, to the perfection of Archana that we will find in the converging point of the Raga Mark. And for this, we also shared a closing story that Srila Siddhamaras used to share regarding this student that only replied one question from six he was presented, but he got so absorbed in six hours and replying that that the teacher put him in the best situation because he absorbed so much in a particular aspect of his offering, if you will, that he neglected the other ones, not, of course, consciously. So that will happen as we advance in our practice. Externally, it may seem we are neglecting this and that, but it's not because we want to neglect that, as our Guru Maharaj will say, in bhava, 
you won't follow all the rules, not because you don't want them to follow, but because you can't. Because Baba is taking the lead and moving you here and there. So, as much as this Baba is being invoked in our life, worship will take a particular form. Artana will take a particular form. Baba Siva. So, after sharing this brief recap of our last lecture, today we will continue trying to follow this daily schedule as we were have been pre presenting, waking up and bathing and sleeping before that, bathing, Achaman, Tilak, Diksha Mantra, Japa, Kirtan, Sankirtan, Artuna. And let's continue with Prachar, which may be connected to, of course, giving Harikata, what sometimes we have in the morning, or morning class, as you may call. So we continue with the daily schedule uh, in the life of a sadhaka, a day in the life of a sadhaka. So I think we will be speaking about Prachar today, and also next in our next lecture. So, as usual, and to begin with, we will share some more orientation-like concepts in, in regards to what's prachar, how to conceive properly the idea, the term, the very term prachar. And I think next, in our next lecture, we will share more in detail some more practical advice in that connection. All this in the context of, again, Vaishnava etiquette, which has to do with proper uh, approach, but also proper regard. So for having proper regard, we, we need to receive proper sambanda. And that will take us to a proper behavior in our relationship with that particular person, item, practice, and so on. So, to begin with, I think it's important to, to conceive what do we mean by prachar again. Sometimes the term is translated as preaching, while actually it means much more than what we can understand at least by such a term, such a word. Sometimes preaching is taking it only exclusively in terms of proselytization, proselytizing and, and, and evangelization, if you will, <laughs> converting people, adding new members, uh, whatever, different ideas. So we will try to, to show how Prachar, of course, may include that in the, in the healthiest, in its healthiest expression, because there may be distorted expressions of this idea, and much more as well something really intimately connected with our own achar, as we will see. Actually, the very word prachar, as I used to, to share, means pra-achar, if we divide into pra-achar, that makes prachar. So pra-achar, achar means behavior, as you already know, another way of speaking about Vaishnava etiquette. And pra, in this case, qualifies the term achar, and thus implies a very special type of behavior. And, trans and generally we translate that as preaching, which if we understand the meaning of achar in connection to prachar, it's okay, you will connect preaching with practice, because the two are totally intertwined and dependent on one another. As my Guru Maharaj uses to translate the idea of preaching, he will say preaching or prachar. Let me use the word prachar along these classes. So please follow me in that conception. Prachar means basically the overflow of your own practice. You are practicing in certain way, with certain sincerity, with certain faith, with certain mercy coming to your life. So that experience becomes so real, you become fulfilled by that, that this starts overflowing you. 
and that overflow starts to sprinkle other people. So that sprinkling is what we call preaching or prachar. In other words, it's the overflowing of your own practice. So a certain serious practice must be there, and as much as that's there, correspondingly there will be prachar. As much as there is achar, there will be prachar. A special type of practice takes a special form in the form of extending that to others, sprinkling others with the result of your own sadhana. So when we speak about outreach, that may be another term for speaking about prachar, outreach, following the idea of prachar as prachar, then we must say that outreach will depend on inreach first. So some 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 Vaishnav that is made maybe doing some outreach and reaching to us through his her own inreach that we call outreach. We are blessed with bhakti samskars and we begin our devotional practice, our inreach, and eventually, as we incorporate some realization, there we can engage in outreach. Certain empowerment is required for outreach. There are levels of empowerment for sure. I'm not speaking with this only about someone becoming a Shakti Avatar or something. But to receive mercy, to receive grace, to to be able to to honor properly the fruits of one's practice, that's a form of empowerment. Chaitanya Charitamrita invokes this idea when it says Krishna Shakti Vinanahi Tara Prabhartana Kali Kalera Dharma Krishna Nam Sankirtan. So the Dharma, the Yuga Dharma for Kali is Nam Sankirtan. And Krishna Shakti Bina Nahe Tara Prabhartana. Without Krishna Shakti, one cannot basically expand the glories of Srinam. One cannot engage in the dissemination of this Yuga Dharma. So Krishna Shakti means empowerment, basically. So all of us need to be empowered. And of course, practice will empower us. And that, as, as much as we are empowered, we will be able to, again, extend that mercy to others. Acts as agents of the Kripa Shakti department of Bhagavan. Because if not, the point is, if I tell you something from my mouth outside, do this, don't do that, but I'm not practicing that first, my words won't be empowered. My words won't have a real impact in your heart. They may impact your mind, your intellect, if you will. They may entertain you on some superficial level. But it won't create transformation. It will only be limited to the realm of information. So we are preaching is not information. It has to do with transformation. And for that, first we need to transform people. Only transformed people can transform people. Hmm? I always remember one example from Mahatma Gandhi, in this case... Someone, one lady came with his son who has some health problem. So they went to Gandhi, although he was not a Kaviraj, Ayurvedic doctor, but somehow or other they, were, they felt he, he can help us. So he said, come back in one week. So after one week, the lady comes again with the child. She already shared which was the problem. So Gandhi, after one week, he, he tells the child, the child, do not eat sugar. And that's all. That That's the way he will be cured. So the mother say, but why did you wait <laughs> for one week to tell this? I mean, you, you could have tell him that one week ago and saved me one week of his illness. And Gandhi said, no, I didn't tell that one week ago because one week ago I was, with, I was, with, I was eating sugar. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't say to him, do not eat sugar. I was eating sugar. My words couldn't be empowered. 
So during this last week, I fasted from sugar. And now I'm telling him, do not eat sugar. And my words carry power. Because I'm following, I'm walking the talk, as you say in English. So prachar has a lot to do with that. Again, don't remember, every time you say prachar, you are saying achar. So every time you are speaking about preaching, you are speaking about first practicing what you are preaching. If not, that will be, not only unbecoming or a form of cheating, but that will entangle the so-called preacher. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, Saraswati Thakur, he will say that to preach without practicing what one is, that thing that one is preaching about, that's an aspect of karma. That's not bhakti, that's not even jnana, that's karma. And that karma also means in this case, you are moving in the realm of action and reaction. So if you preach, if you are not practicing what you preach, instead of liberating you, freeing you nor your audience, that's entangling you and the audience probably. So that's important point. You know, externally it may seem harikata, if you will. Externally you may be speaking about the topmost, highest theological refined conception. But if in practice you are walking right in the opposite direction, that's no more than karma. Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta also said very nicely, the best Bhajananandi is the best Gostyanandi, sorry, is the Bhajananandi who preaches. These two terms have been mainly coined by Thakur Bhaktivinod. Bhajananandi means he who finds joy ananda in bhajan, and Gostyanandi is he who finds joy basically in preaching. So Gostyanandi will be a preacher, and Bhajananandi will be uh, a Bhajananandi, basically. Someone who is not preaching by absorbed in Nirjan Bhajan. So he will say the best Gostyanandi, or the best preacher, is the Bhajananandi who preaches. No? Is the one absorbed in practice who preaches. That's another way to put that. So again, this goes right in line with the idea of Prachar. Prachar is not just in the name of preaching, I stop practicing. Because as much as I stop practicing, I cannot preach because I have to speak about what I'm practicing. Mm. So we found so many examples in our tradition, in many other traditions. Mm -hmm. I always remember also one quote from one Christian saint. He will, he will say, you should always preach the gospel and whenever it's necessary, you use words. Mm. <laughs> you open your mouth, you say something. Whenever it's necessary. But always preach the gospel, which means your your constant preaching is your practice, your example, whatever is transpiring through you to the people, the energy even. You may not even saying anything, but you are preaching because you are practicing seriously. So that means, and sometimes when that's necessary, you will have to open your mouth and say something. But if not, you continue preaching in the form of practice. In one point, you can make the two of them as synonymous in this sense. And especially, of course, in our Gaudiya tradition, we have the famous example of Mahaprabhu himself. My Guru Maharaj will always quote this. Mahaprabhu, he had such a powerful achar, especially in his acharya lila, he was really focused in that direction. Like acharya lila means someone who is really teaching by example. The very word acharya is making this point. Someone who teaches by example. The example is the main instruction the main lesson. And Mahaprabhu was such a good example in everything that sometimes he ha he converted the topmost great pandits of India just being in silence. Like Sarvabhomavatacharya, seven days of silence. And that was enough for fully converting 
the top most pundit of all India. Because his example spoke so loudly. That's the point. His practice, the realizations, his aura, whatever, however you may like to call it, the result of his inner commitment with the ideal was so deep that he just needed to sit in quiet, in silence, and that spoke more loudly than all the weekly discourse that Sarvabhauma was giving on Vedanta. Of course, we cannot imitate Mahaprabhu. Sometimes we may need to open our mouth in order to create a proper result in other people's minds. But again, our example should be there on one level or another, and we should speak only about those things that we are practicing. Of course, there are many degrees of realization that we can acquire in every point. So do not go neurotic with this, because you may say, Oh, Maharaj, but I have not realization about that I am soul and I am not the body. So I may I should not speak about that. So if I am not speaking about that basic concept, how can I speak about higher things? So I cannot preach at all, because I, I can always have fuller realization of every topic. But the point is, if you think like that, you shouldn't say anything never anyone anything to anyone that's not the idea <clears throat> so tare kaha krishna upadesh mahaprabhu say jare dekha tare kaha krishna to whoever you find in the way trying to share extend upadesh instruction on krishna so as as much as we in theory embrace that we want to surrender to the ideal we may be in, in the stage of work in progress but as much as, we're, as our surrender is sincere, we will receive mercy and empowerment to share some words. And that will help us, as we will see, to further embrace that idea. If we preach on the strength of our practice, that preaching will further nourish and enhance our practice. That's the idea. So one should be doing the two things. This is what uh, Sanatan Goswami said once to Haridas Thakur, famous verse, two verses actually, from the Antelila, hmm? fourth uh, chapter, verses 102 and 103. Hmm? So Sanatan was glorifying, praising Thakur Haridas by how he engaged both in Achar, hmm? he's now Acharyas, you know, so he's Acharya, but Prachar as well. So he said, Apani Achari Kiha, Nakari Prachar, Prachara Karina Kiha, Nakari Nachar, Achara Prachara Namara Karaha Duikarya, Dumi Sarva Guru. So basically, interestingly, Sanatana Goswami, so this is not new as you will see, Sanatana Goswami was saying to Haridas, some behave very well, but do not preach Krishna Bhakti. So some engage in achar, but do not do prachar. Whereas others preach, but do not behave properly. So some others do prachar, but do not engage in achar. So then, in the second verse, Sanatana says to her that you simultaneously perform both duties. You are engaging in both achar and prachar in relation to Srinam by your personal behavior and by your preaching. So you chant Srinam in an exemplary way, three lakhs per day. Somehow or other, you find time to preach Harinam, also about the glories of Srinam. Therefore, Sanatana Goswami concluded, Tumi Sarva Guru, Tumi Jagatera Adya. You are the spiritual master of the entire world because you are the most advanced devotee in this world. So this is a famous quotation from Chaitanya Charitamrita, which emphasizes this point. Some people is practicing, but they are not sharing that. And some others are sharing something that they are not practicing. So what's that sharing about? So the ideal synthesis is 
you do both. You practice and you share. And that sharing enhances your practice. And that practice enhances your sharing. And so on, ad infinitum. <clears throat> so I know we, we especially come in the Bhakti Vinod Paribar, those of you who belong to that lineage, uh, have a very strong and unique approach to how to spread the message of Mahaprabhu in the contemporary world and the importance of prachar, even in the context of our, of our practice, which is a very beautiful idea. But as any idea, beautiful as it may be, that can have its pros and cons, or that can be abused, or that can be misapprehended and misunderstood. So with prachar that can happen. You can become obsessed with preaching to the point of neglecting your achar. And in the name of expanding expanding on the outside, you forget about expanding on the inside. I may create some contradictory example, and that was, that's one of the most unbecoming things that make people feel even rejection to our spirituality, that they read a very beautiful message or hear that, but when they look at those who are supposedly following that, they are not aligned with the idea, with the conception. So it's very important. It's better to speak less and to practice more, if you will. You can speak much, too much, and your conduct won't be on the same level. Better your discourse is lower, if you will, but your example is right aligned with that. So that will create a less contradictory impact on the audience. The idea when sharing the message not to create contradictions, but to solve contradictions. There may be some other contradictions, higher ones, that will be necessary for our progress, of course. So sometimes I say this. Now many books have been distributed already. Of course, I'm not against distributing more books. I'm just coming from some traveling where I distribute hundreds of them. <laughs> but my point is, the point, try to get the gist of my idea. Many books have been distributed. Now, we have to behave in such a way that people may want to read them. Because you can distribute the book. Another thing is that people really find the courage to open them. But if they find that the people who gave me the book has such a powerful impact, and part of that result is by what's there in the book, the people will be willing to read them. So, on one side, we could say that... Many books have been distributed. Try to behave in such a way that people want to read them. And we can extend that idea. Many temples have been opened. Now we have to behave in such a way that people may like to visit those temples. And many devotees have been made. Now we have to be behave in such a way that those devotees may desire to remain as devotees. <laughs> you follow? So it's not only about getting new people. Because if the old people are getting lost... What's the, what's the purpose of that? Srila Prabhupada himself, who was so fond of preaching, he said, I prefer to maintain one old devotee than to make a new one. If the price to have a new one is to lose the old one, I don't want that. And he already many times say, if we can make only one single devotee, my whole mission is a success. Like implying, this is not so easy. This is not a joke. And this is not a quest for quantity. We are after quality. Quantity comes, okay, as a byproduct, that's another thing, but we're after quality. We don't want to sacrifice quality in the name of quantity. Mm. And sometimes that happens. Mm. Sometimes the broader you get, the deeper you cannot go. That's a general rule. That may be exception to the rule. Mahaprabhu himself, he was very broad, but he was very deep at the same time. But one needs to have certain standing in order to maintain those mm, dynamics, if you will. 
And again, preaching is something beautiful. It's part of, as we will see, Harikata and Kirtan, an aspect of Ananga of Bhakti in itself. But we should understand that when we can see preaching as extending the message to people who do not know about Krishna consciousness, which is again beautiful and glorious, even though that's not in itself the goal of life. Because I, I've seen the Bhutas taking that as, that's the goal of life, that's the goal of practice. But there's a point where there will be no preaching. I mean, in this world, preaching may go on, but when you get to the, another, to the other world, when you get to the spiritual world, there is nobody to preach there. I mean, everyone is fully awakened, fully enlightened, fully living in Bhakti Rasa. Of course, in Lila, that's an, there will be another type of preaching. <laughs> preaching, canvassing may take another form. You, have, you may have in Manjaribab to convince Jatila to let Radha go to cook daily, every day for Krishna, and you have to find some good reason for that. That may be a form of preaching to convince Radha as a manjari to leave her man, her jealousy, her anger mood towards for Krishna's sake, things like that. We may call that the preaching of Siddhas in the context of Lila. But regarding the preacher here, that's here. So if you do properly your preaching here, that will take you to the, to the other type of preaching there. But we should understand the, the reach of each one of them. For example, once when the Bhoti told to Srila Prabhupada that he wanted to open a temple in Radha Kunda. As you know, Radha Kunda is the topmost, the highest place of Bhajan. As Srila Rupa Goswami pointed very clearly in his Upadashambrita. So, in brief words, he said, I want to open a temple there. So Prabhupada asked, why do you want to open a temple in Radha Kunda? So the devotee was like surprised by Prabhupada's question because at that time the idea was I open a temple for preaching. So he replied in that way. I will open a temple in Radha Kunda for preaching. And Prabhupada said no. Radha Kunda is not a place for ordinary things like preaching, he said. <laughs> so of course, Prabhupada was not saying that preaching is, ordinary, is an ordinary thing in itself. He was so fond of that. But the point is, the thing that's going on there at Radha Kunda is so extraordinary that the preaching that we are doing in other parts is ordinary in comparison, something like that. Radha Kunda is a place for perfected devotees, for great souls to reside there. It's not for open a place for canvassing. So that was his main point, trying to make clear that there are levels of all this. And again, our preaching should be, we should engage in preaching in such a way that it may nourish our practice. As once my Guru Mahasaya said that same thing. Now, if you preach nicely about Krishna, nicely, nicely, there will be a point that we are saying so many things about Krishna in such an intimate, confidential way that Krishna himself will shut your mouth and throw you into the lila and you, will, you won't be able to preach anymore. <laughs> because some higher seva will be waiting for you there. But as we are, of course, that's not excuse to rush into that direction. For sure, most of us may need to engage our faculties in the context of Sankirtan, somehow or other. So some ideas about preaching prachar. Preaching, again, does not mean necessarily, only at least, to expand administrative units, sometimes may be thought. Expansion. And what's expansion? Administrative units. Strictly speaking, let's say preaching could be termed, prachar could be described as helping others to qualify themselves to properly glorify hmm, Bhagavan. Hmm. First, again, instead of 
promoting external expansion, external expansion, we should be promoting internal expansion, enrich, and outreach will follow, external expansion will follow accordingly, in a becoming way. And again, preaching has to do with qualifying people for becoming basically pure devotees. And that takes time. It's, there are levels of preaching, as we will see. So we should preach with humility. We should preach with compassion, genuine compassion. Not just attached to a result, what to speak of with ego, thinking myself a great preacher, a great devotee maker, <laughs> whatever. We, don't, we do not make devotees. Bhakti is who makes the devotees. We are just, if we behave, if Bhakti is, if we are open to bhakti, bhakti will make us instrumental so others may become devoted. But all that is happening by bhakti's grace. We will be only instrumentals at best. And that's a glorious for us. So we should be really humble. Because sometimes in the name of preaching, we may be, let's say, wanting to save others and wanting to see the whole world chanting Hare Krishna, let's say. But what's the reason for that? It's external, it may sound, wow, you are really compassionate, you want everyone to chant Harinam, but sometimes the background motivation for that may be, I want everyone else to do what I'm doing. And why? Because I may be fanatic and sectarian and think this is the only good thing to do and everyone should be doing that, or maybe because I'm too Kanishta, my faith is too weak, so I'm not fully convinced myself of what I am doing, so I need everyone else doing that. So if I see everyone else doing that, I will think, okay, so I'm doing the same. I must be in the right place. Because I'm, 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 I have not firm faith in what I'm doing myself. So I need the whole world doing that. So I may get convinced to follow. So sometimes that may be the background motivation. One should be really introspective about why I'm preaching. It's really humility. It's really compassion. Again, if I preach to others, it's not to, because I'm higher than them something like that. I'm just trying to extend a testimony of the miracle that grace made in my life, basically, in a very humble way, and with the intention that made those people, made those souls, made those such audience, eventually, if they adopt bhakti, they will become Vaishnavs, and they may gift me with their sadhusanga, and I may be blessed by having their association. From that humble position, we should preach. Not to, like, self- assert ourselves, I'm senior, or whatever. I Mainly from a deep feeling of necessity of further purification. I mean, I'm, if I preach it for my own purification, and again, own purification doesn't mean a selfish act. I try to purify myself in order to render better service. So all that is in the context of seva, of pleasing the object of our affection, not as something only for us. So, our preaching, our prachar should be conducted from that humble position. I need to purify myself further, further. And I'm engaging in this Shravan Kirtan, I'm trying to extend the grace, trying to be grateful what has come to me and extend that to others and again, receive further baptism scars so I may be a better, become a better sevaka myself. That's the whole idea of prachar. It's not that I will sit in the big biases and I will be the center of the world and everyone will saying, hear me and saying kijaya at the end and feel myself better than others. That's not prachar at all. That's durachar or sudurachar. Mm-hmm. Very bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So prachar is a really, is 
Shravan and Kirtan, if you want to take that, because what's prachar? We say preaching. Prachar means to speak about Krishna, to speak Harikata, to share Harikata. Bubhigrinantiye Buridha Janaha, the gopis say in the Gopi Gita, those who are engaged in this Tavakatamritam Tapta Jivanam, to sharing this immortal nectar of Harikata, they're the greatest charity givers of all the world. So that's a very glorious activity. And it's not because we are better than others. That's We are especially fallen and we are receiving that opportunity to get uplifted by the grace of Harikata, non-different from Hari. So to preach, to engage in prachar, means to engage in Shravan and Kirtan. I am speaking about something to others, but I am hearing even what I, even what I am saying and committing myself further to the ideal. And even realizing, if I humble enough, as we will see, that it's not me the one who is doing the preaching. It's Sri Guru, Ardem Sadhus, Parampara, Hari. Sometimes I'm doing, I'm giving some Harikata, and some very interesting ideas will come. And I myself will be like surprised. Wow, this the thing that I have just said was so interesting. But immediately I realized it was not me. <laughs> it's not my own. I cannot own. I cannot, uh, I cannot reclaim hmm, like rights. For for what I for wisdom, I was reading that recently. One Christian author he was saying that he didn't like to claim rights for his books because he felt whatever I'm writing is not mine; it's wisdom. So you cannot reclaim property rights for whatever you have written in the context of spiritual wisdom because nobody's owning such knowledge. We are to be owned by such wisdom. So again. Preaching, prachar means shravan, kirtan, which is a crucial aspect of our daily sadhana. So we shouldn't see that as separate practice. We say practice preaching, but preaching again is shravan, kirtan, and that's central to practice, to, to sadhana. Hmm? So in one says, yes, preaching for others, but first and foremost is for ourselves, again, for our own purification, edification, as a central part of our daily practice, hmm? harikata. And Harikata, of course, again, we say Shravan Kirtan, this implies there is someone else, so there is some interaction. There is coming and going, it's a two-way street. And sometimes it's called Prashnatara, which means so also Q&A, Q questions and answers. Many of our main sessions of Harikata in our tradition are uh, presented in that context. Arjuna and Krishna in the Gita, Sukadeva and Parikshit in the Bhagavad, and so many other Questions and answers, Sutta Goswami and sages in Naimi Saranya, Brahma and Krishna, and all the sessions of the Bhagavatam, all Q&A. So it's speaker and audience. And it's a 50-50 equation. 50% given by the speaker, but 50% given by the audience also. It's very important. The attention of the audience, even if they are not speaking, but if they are sincerely hearing, Nityam Bhagavata Sivaya, very attentive, sincerely, and of course, why not presenting uh, appropriate, appropriate questions that will be nourish the whole content, that will invoke further and further insights on the part of the speaker. We know this famous example of Srila Siddhar Maharaj receiving so many Prabhupada disciples who were so eagerly wanted to advance, make progress in their practice, and they were making so many questions. And Srila Siddhar Maharaj was so inspired by those questions that he was revealing newer and newer currents of ideas that he had never presented before. Bhaktisundar Govinda Maharaj, who was his uh, personal servant and was present there always, he said to the Prabhupada disciples, 
I've never heard Guru Maharaj saying all the things. So many new things are coming through him and through you because of your question, because of the sincerity, the eagerness of your inquiry. That's, that's extracting from him so many new layers of revelation. So in this way we see it's not just I go to a lecture because sometimes we make all these many ordinary. I go to the program, I go to the class and we don't understand what's really going on there. I'm going to hear Hari Kata which is a very transrational exercise in, in, implies lots of channeling, if you will, and revelation. And I'm part of that. It's not only I will sit and let the speaker give everything and I will only receive all that nectar and I go back home. No. It's an interaction. There is commitment, responsibility on both sides. That will really create proper prachar. Because of course if the audience is not willing to hear, there should not be there should be no prachar at all to begin with. We have we find so many cautions about that. Do not speak this Krishna at the end of the Gita, this level of message to that and that person. Do not give Srinam to those devoid of faith. So the point is, if the audience is not prepared, you shouldn't give that. Of course, you should give something else on another level maybe, that's a fact. But there are considerations that show how the audience also affects the deliverance of the message. So, the preacher should really understand deeply that preaching is, is a service. I'm doing seva. I'm increasing my serving disposition. And he or she should preach with, in that spirit, in the spirit of service. I am preaching to give pleasure to Sri Guru. I am giving to give pleasure to the Vaishnava, to Hari, Sri Krishna. Hmm? And sometimes we find devotees who deny they are not willing to preach, to share Hari Kata. And sometimes if you have some ex- real sincere example of humility, that there may be a place for that. But not always that's the case. Sometimes we may deny ourselves to share our own experience and heart in the name in, in the form of Harikata, not necessarily because of humility, but some because of some form of ego where I do not wish myself to give myself to others, to render that service to others, hmm? Hmm. to interact with others and increase my commitment with that audience that commits oneself. So sometimes we are not willing about that and we mask all that in the name of humility. And of course the opposite can happen. Other ones in the name of service may engage in prachar, but actually not with humility and proper attitude, and they want they are trying to serve themselves in the name of preaching. So of course these two varieties are undesirable and becoming, so we should avoid them. But sometimes again preaching may be um, like affected negatively by pratishta, for example. Sometimes the hidden motivation may be pratishta. Pratishtam is precision, fame, and all that it comes without followers and, and so on. And sometimes the speaker may want may, may want pratishta, and sometimes the audience may also agree with that. So they will kind of complement each other in cheating each other in the name of Harikata, which is again very unbecoming. When cheating is done in the name of the highest thing, that's so unbecoming. So both parties may be cheating each other. The, the speaker wants pratista, and the audience is giving that pratista, maybe because it was also pratista, <laughs> and, and the preacher is satisfied with the audience because he's receiving, she's receiving what he wants, pratista. And when someone is not giving pratista, the person will reject that person. He's unqualified, but actually that person may be more qualified. 
Mm. And again, and maybe the audience is, has not deep sincerity and may think, that's what I have to do. I have to just glorify the person in a pratishta-like way. Mm. So again, if you are glorifying the pratishta of someone else, probably it's because you internally want that pratishta as well. Mm. So you are glorifying that thing that you would like to have. Mm. All the things can happen in the market, if you will, <laughs> of preaching. Mm. For example, someone may be glorifying a preacher because that preacher has lots of followers, um, fame, and, and, and you may be accepting that preacher as, as important only because of that, unfortunately. Because he has lots of following. Oh, he went to that place with 1,000 followers. So what? It's, that's not speaking about his her Bhakti Adhikar. Mm. So we may not have a deep understanding of this as just being carried by external formalities. Of course, Dhamma may be a great preacher and have thousands of followers, but that's not a warranty of inner insight. So, of course, if we engage in that external way, of course, that's showing our own level of searching and inquiry and eagerness that we may have in our search. So the point is, one should be really sincere, and we should deal with this preaching and the outcome of that, followers and people, in a way that we may not affect our bhajan negatively. So that requires lots of introspection. Because again, in the name of something, we may be really doing the opposite. Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu mentions this. You should not read too many books. You should not open too many temples. You should not have too many disciples. Mm. So again, as we know the famous story, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was quoting this and one disciple told him, but Guru Maharaj, you are doing all that. You have many temples, many disciples. You read many books. You should write many books. And you say, what's many and not many? Many is a, it's a, it's it's a question of natural, personal capacity. So for someone, many is, as we say the other day, to have one disciple is too much. For someone to be a disciple is too much. So what to speak, having many disciples. But for others, having many disciples is not too much. And that person can still be a disciple feel himself, herself, a disciple, or having thousands of disciples. Actually, that's the only way you can have thousands of disciples. Only if that ac the accepting of them is increasing your own discipleship, discipleness. That's no other way. I mean, you cannot increase your Guru Abhiman. I'm a great Guru. But I'm more and more disciples. The more disciples I have, the more Gurus I'm receiving, and the more I can serve them. But again, all this is a matter of personal capacity. So, we should be very honest about that. We should not, as I mentioned, speak about things that, that are way above our head. Hmm? Better to speak about basic things in the deep level. This is a famous story that our Guru Maharaj shares sometimes. Once some devotee asked my Guru Maharaj, Why, how Srila Siddha Maharaj is doing, speaking about so many deep things? Because this devotee wanted to speak about high topics, but he found it difficult to do. He was not able, he would speak about very something very high in a very rudimentary level, which is also not very becoming. So he was inquiring from my Guru Maharaj, how is Srila Siddha Maharaj doing? He speaks about such deep topics at every moment. So my Guru Maharaj said, actually Srila Siddha Maharaj, generally speaking, speak about very basic topics, but in the deepest possible way. Of course, when he wants, he can speak about the deepest topics, but generally, because of the adhikar of the audience, he will speak about basic topics. But he will extract so much from that. He will go so deep to that. So that's much more becoming, speak about basic things in a deep way, than about high things in a basic way. So we should see where 
the shoes is fitting to us, if you will. Hmm? Because there is a danger. We are part of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, which carries such a deep conception, the conception of Rasa and Vrindavan and such theological development. So there are some dangers in dealing with such a deep message. You can very easily, cheaply, speak about something about that from mouth outside, but not from your mouth inside. So again, your outreach should coincide with your inreach. Because if I'm not standing properly in the proper place, I can deviate many in the name of Harikata, in the name of Prachar. And for sure, something that will help us in this connection and to speak in safe ground and in proper an improper context is to know what I am speaking about again. I have to be practicing that and I have to have the proper theoretical knowledge as well. I have to know the Siddhanta. I, I don't have to speculate, basically. As Sila Prabhupada said, not allow mental speculation in the number or, or not allow sentimentalism in the name of preaching strategies. And that's a whole another chapter to speak about preaching strategies. So the preacher may know should know where to use hmm, the preaching strategy. May, he may or she may even use Appa Siddhanta as a means to take people gradually to Siddhanta. Some of our acharyas have done that. Hmm. Hmm. So again, preaching not always, that's not always implies to present the Siddhanta. Sometimes you may say something contrary to that, but in a such a way, knowing the Siddhanta, and in such a way that you are gradually taking the person there, like a mother, when the child asks her how I was born, and she will say, oh, some bird throw you from the chimney and the, and the boy will be happy with that satisfied but at some point and she was lying technically but that was a preaching strategy mm-hmm. or the mother saying take this sweet and in the sweet there is some medicine mm-hmm. there are many examples like that so similarly our doctors or guardians have shared these strategies not because of cheating ourselves but because of deep compassion and empathy and wanted to take us further and further but in com- sustainable doses, if you will. Hmm? But we should know how to do that. It's not so easy. In the name of that, we can deviate, we can speculate, we can become overtly sentimental, fanatical, and absolutize a, a, a preaching strategy that has a shelf life and understand the relativity of it and how much it is applied now and other times and so on. Hmm? And again, not sometimes you may dilute the message for the masses for a particular presentation, but Sometimes we may have the mistake of thinking by diluting the message, as much as I dilute the message, more the more compassionate I am. But that's not necessarily the fact. Sometimes the opposite may be there. In, in the name of diluting and diluting and becoming brother and brother, I, I am like diluting my own commitment with my presentation, with my practice, with my ideal, and I speak about something very general and basic, because I'm practicing on that level, and I don't want to go deeper. But actually, the opposite is required. As much as more compassionate you become, you will will try to get people deeper and deeper. And especially if someone is advancing bhakti, and you delude your message more and more in the name of compassion, you are not being compassionate with those who are more advanced and require a more refined discourse. So there are ways, there are different forms of compassion in this case. And of course there are adjustments in the concept of that compassion that as we may mention that one may make like, I don't know, using some word, certain clothes for a particular presentation of Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta in his time riding on cars and using European clothes with his monks entering Brach and they were dressed as Christian priests 
Um, because he said to the Indians, he said, all your attention is put in the European glamour. So by converting them, we will, you will extract that attachment from your own heart. Something like that. That was his Yukta Vairagyam. When he was entering into the car to the dham, someone entered, someone asking, why you, Vaishnav, are using a car? And Prabhupada Santa replied, only Vaishnavs should be using cars. Because they know how to engage in Yukta Vairagya. The cars are destined for them, designed for them. Nobody else should be using them. The, the other one will exploit that. <laughs> but of course, how much Yukta Vairagya, real renunciation we can sustain, how much capacity we have to deal with that, that's another thing and we should be honest with that. So there are levels of preaching, again, because of our own capacity and because of the capacity of the audience. You will have a level of preaching to newcomers. You have another level of preaching to devotees who are still new, but are already devotees on some level. You have another level of preaching to intermediate devotees, let's say, and you will have another level of preaching to more, further more advanced devotees. And we should know how to properly nourish compassionately each one of them. We may not be able to do that, but someone should be doing that. And all that will be prachar. But again, we should be considered not to speak something that will disturb others. That's a, the, the golden rule that Krishna himself shared in the, in the third chapter of the Gita. When he said to Arjuna that the wise person should not unsettle the minds of the unaware who are attached to, to action, basically. Rather, he said, being absorbed in the consciousness of union, of yoga, he should engage them in action while duly performing his own duties. So that's, that shows humility, that shows compassion. You are not just trying to impose, but expose, percent. Narada Mrigari is a famous example. Mrigari, the hunter, how Narada, in a very compassionate way, he said, do not half kill the animals, kill them completely, but chant this mantra and so on. So he adapted to Mrigari's cosmovision and psychology as a hunter. He was not able to stop being a hunter from day one. So he had, okay, continue doing that, but in that, in this way, meanwhile, do this. And he adjusted the message. That's not a deviation. That's a very special extension of mercy from an empowered agent. That's for sure. So again, we shouldn't imitate, but we should be willing to to know what strategy or adjustment may be required according to the audience. And we ourselves may be in, the, in need of receiving some adjustment from our guardians. That's for sure. We cannot swallow all the conceptions of Krishna consciousness in one pill, if you will. Hmm? Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will say, I'm mostly preaching 80% of what Krishna consciousness is not, what Raghamarga is not, that's Krishna consciousness. But as much as we advance, the idea was, I will, the percentages will change. In the beginning I have to tell you what this is not mostly, but eventually I can speak in a positive way more and more as you have a proper grasp of the idea. Hmm? So in order to do prachar, we should be willing to go through these considerations. Also, as it is mentioned in the commentary of Vishwanath, the famous Gita verse, Bhagavad verse about the Guru, Tasman Gurum Prabhadita, the Guru should not only be expert in the works of his own, her own lineage, but also in other books, Vishwanath say. Now, to remain contemporary, if you will. You are dealing with different currents of thought in a particular time in the world, so you are speaking to that world, if you will, so you should be aware on some level or another. 
about that. Not only the guru for sure, but whoever is doing prachar should, on some level or another, it's it's important to remain contemporary, especially if you are dealing with uh, the outer world, if you will. Mm. <clears throat> and of course, that said, again, in the name of Prachar, we are not here to convert the whole world and make that every single jiva in the planet will become a Gaudiya Vaishnava. That won't happen, just to begin with. <laughs> Uttam Bhakti, in one sense, cannot become popular because not everyone will buy a jewel. Krishna says in the Gita, Manush Nam Sahasrasuka Chidyatati Shidaya Devagavatam says the same thing. Hmm? Uh, what's the verse? Uh, Narayana Parayana Vasudeva uh, Muktanam Apishidanam Narayana Parayana. Between many people, someone will become liberated. Between many of them, one become a devotee. Between many of them, one will become a real devotee and so on. Hmm. So this is not to discourage us. Also to understand, not necessarily everyone will become a devotee. And it will never, there will always be new jivas, if you will. So it, there will never come a time, that was Haridas Thakur, Ras Mahaprabhu. There will never come a time that everyone became a devotee, so everyone went to Kolobrindava and the whole creation becomes empty. <laughs> That's not happening. There are unlimited universes and unlimited jivas. We should preach, we should be compassionate in a proper way, but not to the idea of everyone has to really enter in that particular direction. Because again, not everyone has the money to buy a jewel. So if you want something to happen, anyhow, that's good. But then it can happen only if you have people who are staunch in their trust and understand the philosophy properly. And that's also important. And this is only possible through education. So that's another way of speaking about prachar, education. We are educating others. We are educating ourselves simultaneously. We are teaching and we are learning at the same time. So education and people committed hmm, to the message. Hmm. The Goswamis, for example, they were very hard. Hmm. They had to work very hard to establish Radha and Krishna uh, in, in, in the particular times, to establish the Gaudiya Sampradaya through their books, the worship of Radha and Krishna. So many things they have to go through, even on legal terms, regarding temples, regarding worship, regarding controversy, opposition, to establish the Sampradaya and the, the future Acharyas, they did the same. So, it's not so easy to preach. That's my point. It's not just I turn on Zoom and open my mouth. <laughs> so many things to consider. Educate, be educated. And sometimes it may be even more interesting because we are facing some mixed audiences. If not that you are speaking only to newcomers, only to advanced devotees, sometimes the audiences may have everywhere, everyone. The Bhagavad itself was spoken in a mixed audience. Sukadev is speaking mainly to Parikshit, but as we know, the rest of the audience was a mixed audience. There were yogis, jnanis, bhaktas, nishkam bhaktas, sakam bhaktas, Vyasadev, Narad Muni. So there was a whole hodgepodge of personalities. And he was expert enough to address each of them in the different sections of the Bhagavad. And this was pointed by different commentators in certain sections where it seems that Sukadev is speaking about Advaita Vedanta. He's pointing to that section and expertly connected them. So again, this is not so easy. We need a proper education for that. Hmm? And something else just before finishing, give me some few minutes and we go to the Q&A. Important thing that I think you, you know, but needless to say I will tell it. In the context of preaching, in the context of prachar, there should be no need to attack people, as some others do, to attack other people's faith. 
to call names, to abuse others. Sometimes that may be used, and sometimes that may help some purpose in certain time. Personally, I don't think that's the best thing. And, and if you convince many people by that, those people who have been convinced by such a strategy, I don't think their faith will be very deep. <laughs> they are being convinced by the wrong method, if you will. Of course, one may take the Purvapaksha, the antithesis, the oppon opponent's view and philosophies, but not necessarily you have to criticize them in strong language. I mean, there should be no feeling of enmity or hatred. It's not proper. Because sometimes, again, the name of preaching is actually we are expressing our non-resolved hatred, fun fundamentalism, and we channel that to the Mayavadis and the Karmis and the demons, blah, blah, blah. And all those elements may, may, may be still lingering in our own consciousness yet on some level or another. So we need to uh, address those issues as it's beginning with ourselves. I'm still Maya body. I'm still atheist. I'm still fruitive worker. I'm still Asuric in, in some sense. So I have to address that on myself. And if I speak about others, that should be done in a gentle way, philosophical way, serious way. Again, preaching is not a joke. It's not a hobby. It's a deep commitment with yourself and with your audience. On so many levels, again, it's not only giving harikata, but it's accompanying the process of the other person. For example, once Shri Lassidhar Maharaj said, whoever preaches has to accept the problems of neophytes until the last moment of his life. Try to imagine that. That's not a joke. Someone may see that externally, oh, I would like to preach, because they think, I will have a big seat, and people will say kijai to me, but they do not get the real implications of preaching, which is long life, lifelong commitment, especially with situation dealing with neophytes. You have to deal it to the last moment of your life. What to speak of being a guru and accepting such a level of responsibility? That's really hard, difficult. I don't know what's that about on one level, but the point is, we know there is commitment there. And that's, again, not only deep commitment with others, but deep commitment with your ideal. Because there is no separate life from the message you are sharing. That's ideal. That's a preacher. Hmm? Hmm. So, <clears throat> let me finish with one situation that I had to go through personally. And I received some very nice uh, advice from my Guru Maharaj. And from that we will go to questions and answers. But in this connection, regarding to not have a separate life, regarding prachar, again, pra and pra-achar. To walk your talk, to live your life in a certain way, and your discourse will be that. I remember once, some years back, almost 10 years back, I was doing in, in Argentina, in Spanish, one seminar of Srimad Bhagavatam. It was like 25 classes or something along six months. So, I was... There were some flyer shirt in social media, and there were some fee for that, some contribution asked for whoever wants to participate, financial contribution. Of course, those who didn't have the, the money for that, the luxury for that, they were invited to participate anyhow. But the point is, there was that, and one sannyasi wrote to me and said, you are charging money for speaking the Bhagavad. That's an offense to the Bhagavad. Because it is said in the scripture that you should not charge for speaking the Bhagavad. So, so I asked Guru, my Guru Maharaj at that time, I received this message, I'm doing this seminar, of course the money that is coming for, from this is not for me, I'm not taking a single penny from that, 
is, is, is given to the temple, to the ashram. So am I committing offense to the Bhagavat? Should I not charge anything? And he told me, no, no. That type of advice is done for in connection to those who speak Bhagavat as a personal business, but they have a separate life from the Bhagavat. They speak the Bhagavat, they earn money, and then they continue with the mundane life, using that money for mundane purpose. In that context, asking money for the Bhagavat is an offense. But if you are trying to make your life non-separate from the Bhagavat, then, I mean, it's not only not an offense, but for sure it will help and purify those who are giving some money and who may be trying to connect with the Bhagavat on some level. So it's not only non-offensive, but it, it may be favorable for most who are sharing that. So that's I, I appreciated his contribution, and of course, I took that seriously. It's not a joke to try to make your life align with the Bhagavat. I'm trying, just it's not I'm living there, but that's where I will, my Guru Mahesh will say also the ultimate potential is you, you are not to align your life with the Bhagavat, you are to leave the Bhagavat. There is one blank page in the Bhagavat waiting for you to be written with your own testimony of life. I will say one blank page in the 10th canto, especially. <laughs> And in the first chapters dealing with the Braja Lila, because that's our eternal prospect and also where Gaur Lila manifests in the pages of the Bhagavad. So, again, as we already mentioned, reciting Shastra is for our own purification and in the service of Shastra, in the service of the audience, never for commercial purposes. This is also the famous story with Gaur Kishore Das Babaji. He was invited to hear Bhagavad Kata. Sometimes this is a lot done in India, Bhagavad Saptaha, speaking Bhagavad for a week. And the speaker is really nice, sing, sing so nicely and knows lots of verses and, and what not. And has a beautiful voice and is charismatic and poetic, but may continue with a life that goes right against the Bhagavad. So that person seemed to be the case here and Gorky Shore was there. And after this course, someone asked him, so incredible Kata, right? And he said, Kata, actually you should clean all this room with cow dung. It's contaminated. So you have to clean. How can you say you have to clean? The Bhagavad has been recited. What's, that's the top most purifying agent. He said, you heard Bhagavad Kata? I only heard rupee, rupee, rupee. Money, money, money. In other words, I know that the background of that recitation is fruitive uh, intention. So there is no Bhagavad manifest there. So, again, all this has to do with the idea of, in the name of preaching, I should be practicing. There's no separate idea between prachar and achar. Our achar is included in our prachar. So, some ideas I want to share with you, sorry for some brief extension. And during our next class on Monday, we will share more, if you will, practical tips in connection to, to the performance of this seva, of prachar. So, Let's share if, if anyone has any questions, something you may like to share. Let me unmute. Give the option to unmute. That's there. So I don't know if, if any, any of you may have something to ask about. Hare Krishna. Mitra? Yes. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I feel you even okay. close. My next door neighbor. Okay, great. Tell me. Okay, you you talked about achar and prachar, mm -hmm. and I 
I like the comparison to broad and deep. Mm. Achar helps you go deep. Prachar maybe for broad, <clears throat> broad scope. And I was just thinking how some people, um, well, they do neither. <laughs> they don't go broad or deep. Um, just they're kind of stereotyped and into something that prevents them from being broad or deep. And I was just thinking, is it possible to be both broad and deep? You, uh, you kind of made it like as if it's one or the other. And I would think that if it is possible, that would be the target to aim for. Yeah. Well, I, actually, I didn't say it was one or the other. Actually, I gave even the example of Mahaprabhu himself, who was broad and deep at the same time. And, and I make it clear that everyone... I'm muting you again because I'm, my voice is sounding in your microphone. And I made it clear that it's, the ideal is that we may be broad and deep at the same time. But of course... Not everyone will be ready for that. And also I, I made it clear that actually the term prachar, that is not necessarily limited to broad dissemination. Because, of course, achar has to do with practice, and we may say something deep, hopefully. Sometimes, as you mentioned, one can practice not in a very deep way. <laughs> but that's still some form of prachar, even though it may lack certain depth. But my point is that also prachar uh, can be really deep. I mean, it's not necessarily that prachar has to do with broad dissemination. Someone may be, as I mentioned, there are levels of preaching. You can preach to a newcomer or to a newcomer audience in a broad way, but you can be preaching to a very advanced devotee, which requires a certain type of harikata. For me, again, the idea is sometimes in our DNA, this idea of preaching has to do with preaching to newcomers, and it's okay, but the, the original term prachar, it's not only limited to get new people in, but nourish the ones who are there also. So there may be a very advanced devotee who is having receiving a prachar on, I don't know, very esoteric sections of scripture. And that's still prachar on a very deep level. And it cannot be too broad because not everyone will be ready for that prachar, but that, that's a type of prachar. So for me and, 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 and when I mentioned the example of Srila Siddhar Maharaj I think that was a good one regarding bre breath and depth what our, my Guru Maharaj will say that he was usually speaking about very basic things so there you have the breath but in the deepest possible level so there you have the depth so that should happen I mean it's not that I'm very advanced so I only will speak about Radha Krishna Astakaliya Lila that not, doesn't necessarily speak about your advancement. I mean, you can really speak about matter and consciousness, but in a really <laughs> no, deep way. So that's speaking about who you are, and, and Srila Prabhupada himself. I mean, he was really broad, and of course he made many adjustments in his generosity and embraced so many in his fall. But also he has, he stepped a very deep side to, his, to himself, and, and those who have the eyes to see and the ears to hear they will find how he had that at the same time. And of course, that was that deep side allowed also the wide distribution. It was not that he was just like, some people may want to make him a marketing genius or something, someone who had a very great capacity for, for canvassing because of certain psychology, strategy. No, he had lots of 
insight and purity. He was pure prema, prem bhakta. So the depth was there, even though the the audience may not be ready for all that level of depth that he was. So he adjusted that, but the, the depth was still there. So in time, as his followers or whoever grow in their own depth, I will say they will start to discover all those layers of depth that that are present in that broad, you know, campaign that he was about or anyone else is about. So, yes, ideally we should not sacrifice one in the name of other, but again, sometimes it happens. Hmm? So, if that happens, we should be careful of, okay, we want to expand, we want to be broad, that's great, but let's not do, let's not make that to the point of that we really sacrifice our inter inner integrity. I've seen examples of that and eventually that becomes, that may become even some form of apasampradaya sometimes because the message gets so broad, so broad, so broad, so broad, so broad that it stops being some specific line of thought. <laughs> it embraces everything and everyone and in the name of being broad, you are nowhere, basically. <laughs> and you start to preach that, dress as a Gaudiya Vaishnava, let's say, but your discourse is now pointing to a particular direction, so that's kind of apasampradayik. And that can happen. So, some caution in that regard, but of course the ideal is, yes, we may be able to deal with depth and, and, and breadth at the same time. And that's a very sweet combination, if you will. Like if you have lots of knowledge and you are very humble, that combination is really powerful. If you have lots of knowledge all only, but you are a really proud person, that's not so nice. <laughs> so, but you have both. That's really powerful combination. Similarly, breath and depth. So, some ideas. I hope. I hope that helps, Mitran. Let's keep pushing in that direction for sure. <laughs> so here I say I see that Indra has one question. Yes, question, yeah. we have yes, time. Cool, thank you. Hare Krishna, please accept my obeisances. Hare Krishna, all devotees. Um, so, um, I was uh, thinking that, you know, it was really eye-opening when you said that, you know, like, the preaching is not the uh, goal of life, you know, so that was just personally for me like an eye-opener. And oftentimes, uh, it's also like you deflect maybe your own advancement by just looking at everybody else, all the other fallen souls. But anyways, I wanted to ask a question, and I'm sorry, maybe it's not relevant to everyone, um, but I was uh, having this question about uh, Archana. Uh, so just a story back, I have uh, I was in the Bhaktivedanta Manor, I lived there, and um, on the attic of the uh, ladies' ashram, there was uh, like a statue of Balaram, like, uh, like this quite medium size uh, but unlimited so uh, I felt this spontaneous um, attraction and I was asking oh can I can I take him and they said oh yeah sure no problem somebody just forgot him here or something so he's basically a murti um, and he wasn't like officially installed but for me like we have him here in our music room and he for me, he's present, but I was really taken aback when you said, oh, you shouldn't eat in front of the Didi. So he's, I was just wondering, so is it okay to kind of like practice with a Murti or am I making a parade, although I'm thinking I'm making advancement <laughs> um, because there is a difference between Murti and Didi, right? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, sometimes I did the term Murti... <clears throat> It's nice that you mentioned that because I didn't in my last lectures. 
Term Morty sometimes mentioned for deities which are not installed. But strictly speaking, Morty can refer to an installed deity. So Morty means form, basically. So whether installed or not installed, and again, as we mentioned in the previous lecture, what's the installation about? Mainly it's about the Vaishnav expressing his, her will for Krishna to be present in that particular form. And that's an active principle in the installation. All the other things, Srila Prabhupada said that when he's inaugurated his Krishna Balaram temple also. They have like three day ceremonies with Brahmins and fire and mantras. And at the end they were doing Sankirtan with the devotees and say, only by the Sankirtan everything is done. All the other things are for the rest of the people who need the show, if you will. So regarding uh, Murti, again, installed, non-installed, of course in this case, I don't know the particular background, of, of this Balaram Murti in the sense of for sure it be, for sure it might, must belong to some other devotee and maybe some someone invited Balaram to recite there and is there a, I mean, I'm not saying that if you feel he's there you are in you are delusional he's not there so stop worshiping that I'm not saying that so for sure if you feel he's there and you're making advancement that's a nice that's that should be happening that's the whole idea <laughs> um but also I, I think it's nice to, in order to, to, to enhance whatever is already there, to try to, to adjust certain aspects of one's practice according to, to what is recommended in Shastra, one of those items being trying not to eat in front of the deity. Because again, I mean, we, we can have some, some like, I don't know how do you call it in English, but some um, a curtain or some other words, uh, this is the word. Uh, well, no problem. Well, no problem. Like a Spanish wall, like a screen. Yeah, screen. Yeah, screen. screen yeah. So something like that. Now we we were doing that, implemented that now in Raleigh. I was with Subal also, and and they were have their beautiful altar there with Giriraj, and now Radha Sarat Bihar is there, and there was no curtain. So and and we were having lunch close to that section, and 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 I was kind of, I'm eating in front of them. I don't feel that. I mean, I'm not in the lila. Yet, if you will, know, that you will be eating with them and giving food and whatever the the, the affinity one may have, <laughs> taking the remnants. So, eventually, a curtain was put. That's my point. So, because it helps us to realize, okay, Bhagavan is there. I should behave in a certain way in front of Bhagavan. In the beginning, we need that Aishwarya, and by properly establishing that Aishwarya, we will be thrown to Madhurya, to intimacy and sweetness, and someday we will forget. Krishna is God and we will approach him in our terms, in Raja terms if you will, but first this technical advice is really important so I will recommend that I, I, if Balaram is there and you feel he, he's there and you're feeling that that's nice, and also it's nice that you may obtain further blessings by Vaishnavs that, that uh, inspire you, that you consider them your your gurus, Siksha gurus if, if you don't have Diksha Gurus or your Siksha Gurus, your gar guardians, if you will, that may like share their blessings, so Balaram is even more present, if you will. <laughs> and, and, but yes, taking these considerations, I think that will further enhance your own uh, perception that Balaram is actually there. And so, where the curtain is closed, you eat, or, or if you are doing something else, that, I, I mean, sometimes you may be speaking casually to some guest at home. And, and you may not behave as if God is in front of you, basically. So, 
that curtain screen will help to create that idea. You enter the temple, you see Srimurti, you behave accordingly, and hopefully the, the screen appears, the curtain appears, and hopefully one continues behaving in that same way. But for eating and some other things, that may be required. But again, it's in order to enhance our proper conception. Bhagavan is there, and eventually as I do that properly, the idea of Bhagavan will recede to the background, and I will start to see the deity in according to one's own affinity. So I hope that helps. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, so any other question before finishing? We have some few minutes. <clears throat> yeah, I ask you to speak as louder as you can because here it's raining quite heavily, so I have some extra volume on my back. Maybe you even hear that, so I don't know. So I'll try to, yeah, tell me. It's, it's good now, this, this way. Can you hear me properly? If you can a little louder, I, I won't be offended. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah, closer, okay. closer to the microphone. So I want to ask uh, if he we have broad audience like Shukadev, for example, mm -hmm. should we focus like on the on the le less advanced or the, on the most advanced? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I follow my Guru Maharaj in that regard that I consider a very interesting uh, stance he takes, and, and whenever he faces a mixed audience, which is quite often especially in the pre-COVID era, or especially now that you have like Zoom meetings and sometimes you don't even have a clue who is the audience, basically. I mean, in Zoom I may have a peak, some idea of who you are because I see your names, but I am streaming parallel on Facebook and there I, have, I don't have a clue about who is there connected. So it may be my mother, it may be a sannyasi from who knows where, it may be a newcomer that just saw some weird guy speaking, so I don't have a clue. So... Of course, and as I will speak about that in the next class, we will have this Mangala Charan in the beginning trying to pray for mercy and empowerment to be instrumental. And we pray that Krishna will make the arrangement to inspire everyone according to their situation. And I will try to speak inspired by that. So my Guru Maharaj in that connection will say, okay, I have a mixed audience, audience here today. So some of the things I will speak will be too low for some and too high for others. So please bear with me. That that's his main point in the beginning. No, and, and I'm sure he will he also says if even if you have twenty years of practice, you may still learn about some basic things, hearing about some basic things. You may if you are open enough and you're sincere enough, you will be always able to extract even from the most basic things. And if you are a newcomer and you hear something that is way above your head, sometimes you may even get inspired by that, even though you don't have a clue what's going on. Well, that's interesting. I remember once I gave one lecture <laughs> to an introductory audience. This was not a mixed audience. It was yoga studio. So I was speaking, I don't remember the topic, but it was introductory. But as, as introductory as it was, it still reached some heights, if you will. So at the end of the lecture, I asked the the, the, the Vaishnavi who invited me, the, who was the yoga teacher of that group, to to what how 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 it was about. It was the what which was the the repercussion the repercussion of the audience. Did they say any feedback? And they said, 
and she said it very nicely. Say, Maharaj, their face was like this. Their face was, their expression of their face told the following to me. She said, I don't understand anything, but please do not stop. <laughs> so that was how the audience was referring. In other words, they were hearing something new way above their head. They were not really able to grasp, but at the same time, there was something and then saying, continue, continue, don't stop. I, so that also can happen, even if some topics may be way above their head. If you are speaking from a sincere position, that will create some charm in the audience. So they will want to hear more and more. And eventually they may understand, of course. So yes, in front of mixed audience, of course, I will personally adapt the discourse mostly to the introductory audience, unless I have already some planned topic that I have to speak about, and I cannot just really change that topic too much, but I will try to to make everyone, I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to you now, I'm speaking, and as my Guru Maharaj always says, even if you heard the whole lecture, and you only found one single thing that reached your heart, and the other things were too too introductory, or too high, whatever, but that single thing that reached your heart, that made the, the lecture worth, I mean, I mean, it was enough. Okay, I got that point. Now I have to commit with that single point I received. And I have to introduce in myself and put it in practice and and unfold the implications of that single point, which for sure must be unlimited. <laughs> so the point is that. It's not that I need to go to a class and I need to understand everything. And that's a good lesson for newcomers and for elder devotees also, especially. You may hear some new things that will, like overwhelm or bewilder you, you may not understand. And it's nice because you will realize, oh, I don't understand everything. Everything is not to be understood. If you will. And probably many of the things that I think I understood, I did not understand, basically. Because the nature of the message is you can never fully understand it. It can always be understanding in a fuller way, deeper way. There's no end to that. So I think to have a mixed audience in that sense is a, is a real blessing. Mm. And as we know in the Sukadev Goswami was speaking and his guru was there, Vyasa was there, mm. his father and guru, his guru's gurus, Narada was there, and they were the most top, most advanced Vaishnavas of the world. But they knew, oh, Hari, Bhagavad Kata is being spoken by a sincere soul, something will come from that. Something new will come from that. Some new insight will come from that. We will be blessed in some way. They were not thinking... Oh no, he's my disciple. I don't have anything to learn from him. Oh, he's the disciple of my disciple. I have much less to learn from him. Not Nothing like that. So we see how our own gurus are behaving. So again, a very elderly audience, if, if that's real, if there's really adults in Vaishnav, in Vaishnavism, they will be in the first line, eager to receive Harikata. <laughs> if they are really Vaishnav adults. And the newcomers will receive their part. So yes, we should be empathic and sensitive enough to feel and to look at the people and to feel you know, if we have to adjust some detail it's also like this it's not just copy paste and I speak especially if you have an audience in, in live presence you have to feel how they are responding to that what their face is they may require some clarification there I'm seeing their face they need something else there that happens also so many things to consider <laughs> okay so I think I have spoken enough, so we can finish here. And if there are any other questions or topic you may like to share, we can continue uh, 
on our next meeting next Monday. Srila Gurudev ki jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, Gaur Bhaktavrind ki jai, Gaur Praman Haribo.